With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Welcome to Jags Drive Time on the Monday after the most improbable of wins. And what an energetic scene in the Jaguars locker room. Brian Sexton with John Osier. You know, John, the only thing missing from that video, and we don't have it because we didn't get it, is what the locker room was like at halftime, right? When the head coach... Not that. 100%. So the swing of the pendulum, that would have been incredible to be able to compare and contrast. Instead, we're taking... Stories from players talking about how the coaching staff responded. Um, I, where to begin? Other than to say that my favorite part of the whole weekend was Trevor Lawrence going to the Waffle House to uh, to eat with Walker Little and look like Logan Cook and a bunch of his teammates in yeah. the early morning hours of Sunday. Well, and if that doesn't show you sort of what this team is, uh, how they're a part of this city, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and it, it was fantastic. I don't know how much more there is to say, except the images spoke for themselves on that. I do think, I don't know what the locker room was like, but I, I spoke to Evan Ingram probably three or four minutes into the open locker room period with the media. And I really didn't have a question. I just kind of, I just kind of looked at him. I've gotten to know him a little bit. And I just said, you know, come on, <laughs> right? 
And he said when he caught the touchdown pass at the end of the first half, he said, I told myself after that, I don't know what's going to happen, but, I, but I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to win this game, and I'm not going to quit. Whatever that word it is, you know what I'm getting at. Yep. And he talked for a while, and it was interesting because it was one of those cases where you couldn't really quote a guy because he was just sort of talking about what he had just been through. And he said what he soon realized on the sidelines and then in the locker room, he said, John, everybody else, I felt that way too. Like he got that vibe. And it was real. I mean, sometimes after, after games, players are talking and you're not sure if they're, if they're really telling you something real. He said everybody thought the same thing. And then Foyer brought them up during halftime, which they all talked about. Trevor talked about it. And that sort of galvanized it. He said, every, he said even if it, we shouldn't have, we believe we're going to win the game. That's, he, that's nuts. Foyer said— He's got a screw loose to think that. <laughs> he had one of the great lines of postgame on Saturday night when he said, I didn't like our odds, but I liked our chances. Yeah, and that's— um, all that stuff we're talking about, there's no reason down 27 nothing you should think you're going to win the game. Right. Um, especially in the emotion of the moment. Like, when you go back and look at it, which I did yesterday, we all did, there were things that made you think in retrospect, okay, you know, they'd only given up a couple of scoring drives, and 17 of the points were off a of 35-yard drives because it was all point blank. So the defense never played poorly. So you thought, okay, well, the— Looking back, you saw they had things to build on. Trevor said he'd only thrown really one bad pass. He was still seeing it. In retrospect, you see that those are the things they could build on to win that game. Um, but in the height of that moment, for them to really think they were going to win speaks to the culture, speaks to what they've done, speaks to all these things. We've seen. And I'm not a big Team of Destiny guy, Brian, but – how could you not have a little When Riley right Patterson now? kicked that field goal, I thought to myself, even if he shanks it, it's going to go in somehow. Yeah. And I don't think he would tell you it was probably his best kick. It squeezed in. But there was no way that ball wasn't going through. You know, I mean, those moments, uh, it was almost like the ball was willed through the uprights. I'm not, I'm not taking anything from, away from Riley's kick, but you know what I'm getting at. There was I'm no sure, way that was going to miss. I was standing right there on the field as it went through, and I felt the exact same thing as he lined up. Yeah. It was there, no doubt. Let's get into big things because you talk about it speaks to the culture and it speaks to the locker room. It also speaks to the coach yes. and his strategy in the second half. Now, look, down 27-7, to 7, I'll be honest. I didn't know what sort of strategy you could possibly employ to get back into a game in which everything went wrong in the first half. It didn't look as if it was possible for the Jaguars to be able to stack things together and turn it around in only 30 minutes. But the head coach had a strategy. Strategy was just one play at a time, you know. And, and um, you know, we, we knew the defense was starting the second half, so we felt like, uh, you know, defensively we had to get off the field at some point. We're trying to create, you know, takeaways, turnovers, things of that nature. And, and if we could... Um, you know, offense just, you know, had to just regroup and, and, uh, and score. And we talked about possibly having to score every, every time we touched the ball, every possession in the second half. And, and um, <clears throat> you know, so that was, the, that was the strategy. Big thing, too, his team, his town. Hey, look, we talked about the Waffle House. It, 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 there's no doubt this is Trevor Lawrenceville this morning and will be for the foreseeable future. 
had a 0.0 passer rating after that third interception. And you're scratching your head wondering, how can this talented quarterback, this generational talent who has been so good for so many weeks in a row, how does he dig out of it? What can he do? We were all a bit of a loss, but Rayshon Jenkins had an answer for us in the postgame locker room. Man, like, like for someone, for him to go out there, you know, he didn't have a good first half. I don't just call it what it is. But, man, for him to come back and stand tall and really lead this team back, man, that's crazy. Like, I've never seen it done before. Like, not with my own eyes. I've never seen that done before. 27-0 in a playoff game against a really talented team. Like, that's something, like, you're going to remember that forever. And big thing three, and you all know this, you can't count this team out ever. Look, we've seen a resilient Jaguars team since November began. I mean, we've chronicled for you the, 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 the big deficits they faced against the Raiders and the Ravens and the Cowboys, and, and they just never stop. This, though, is an extraordinary level of resiliency in one of the most pressure-packed environments you could possibly imagine. This football team, as John said, rallied around Foye Luakon, who explained it at the podium. I kind of like how we were talking about early. We had a lot of close games this year. Um, the Giants game, I think maybe came back in the Ravens game, the Raiders game. We did those earlier. Uh, then that Detroit game happened, and we just knew the kind of energy and fight we needed to have for four quarters. And we knew if we just brought what we were supposed to bring to the table, anything is possible. So, yeah, that Dallas game was cool to see, but we had kind of learned our winning equation a little bit earlier than that. It's just our accountability on doing that. Uh, that's just kind of how we are as a team right now. We just keep fighting all the way through. No matter what's happening in the game, we're going to put ourselves in what we feel is the best chance to win. And so let's go back to big thing, too. And, and you can get lost in it. And I don't know whether people look at possession by possession, but you realize the Jaguars fall down 27 to nothing after the ball goes off Chris Claybrook's head and you give him a chip shot field goal, right? From that point on, the Jaguars scored on every possession. Trevor, in the next four possessions, including that last one in the first half, threw a touchdown pass on four consecutive possessions and led them to the game-winning field goal. I mean, resiliency doesn't even begin to describe. Mental toughness doesn't even begin to describe how you handle the situation knowing that you've got to get it done. His mental game is as strong as his physical game. Well, and this is my hot take for later on, so I don't want to say everything about it, but uh, what I thought was remarkable was down 27 nothing, and he comes out and has a good drive and gets them back in. Um, but he got better and more in the zone, if you will, because there's no question, whatever was going on, he was throwing passes by the end that... Uh, rivaled anything he has thrown. He had, and, and he's had some good games down the stretch where you felt like he couldn't miss. And when he gets in a groove like that, somebody asked me yesterday, you know, where does he rank, where does he compare to the quarterbacks in the league? When he's in that groove, he's as good as anybody. 100%. Um, now, he doesn't always get to that groove, which is why he's not Mahomes, Burrow. You know, there's an elite level that he's not there yet, but when he's there – yep. You in, can't stop that. I tell you, in the second half, though, he was. Right, that's right. And here's why I say it. I watched Josh Allen. I watched Joe Burrow. Yeah. They didn't play better yesterday mm. than he did. I mean, Allen had a couple of big turnovers. And Burrow in particular, who I've been telling people, I think, is the hottest quarterback in the league right now. The guy you don't want to face. That cold-blooded assassin yeah. who just... But he wasn't that good last night. He was mm. good enough. 
but he didn't win that ball game for them. Trevor Lawrence won this one. I thought we saw the elite quarterback yeah. come out. Yeah, no question. And I thought what was impressive was as the game got bigger and closer and the pressure increased, because at 27-7 there was no pressure. None. It was, I would say a gift, but there's a, a feeling in games. You knew if they executed on that drive, they were probably going to go down and score. Where it got tougher, he got better, and he made bigger throws, and he made bigger plays, and his poise rose. Um, that that was impressive, next-level generational stuff. You know, right before kickoff, uh, I was standing on the, the deck there in the West Club, and the towels were twirling, and they had just done the national anthem. And I thought, my goodness, what incredible environment and how hard it's going to be for the Chargers. And do you know the thing that the Chargers did so well is they took that away yeah. in the first half. They had everybody standing there with a shocked expression on their face, wondering, okay. And then the minute that the second half began and they stopped the Chargers and forced yeah. them, you know, forced them off the field and got Trevor back out on the field, the towels were twirling again. Yeah, I sort of noticed. The crowd hung in there when there was no reason for them to. That was resilient and extraordinary in its own right. Yeah, that was – I kept watching from the press box. And even when they were getting, you know, just killed in the first half, the crowd was stunned, but they were were still there. There weren't the swaths of empty seats. No. And they were waiting for the – they were waiting for the moment, and I think every player would tell you, the crowd, 12th man, all that cliche, whatever, but the crowd mattered the other night. But they didn't leave. Yeah. They didn't leave. And Fred Taylor and I were watching yeah. from our spot in the West Club, and we're watching the Rams, and there's you know, there's a couple of people that sure. were leaving because it was cold and they were older. But the crowd stayed, and they were there in the post game, and it was remarkable. Mm-hmm. I think years from now when we look back at – at, at Jacksonville and how it became the Green Bay of the South, I think we'll look back at this game yeah. and say this is where it all – and, of course, Trevor walking into Waffle House, where it all came together. Yeah, these last couple – I also made a point in the Ozone uh, one of the last couple of days. This does – I mean, I'm going to say it doesn't matter, but it, it's not as noticeable as what you're talking about. My guess is in 15, 20 years, uh, whoever's doing our jobs – We'll get emails from fans saying, you know, some fan in Omaha became a Jaguars fan this weekend. Yeah. Because you're playing on primetime. You're watching a quarterback. You're seeing the overcome adversity, and you're like, holy, this is unbelievable. You know, so my guess is they gained some young fans who we won't hear from for 10 years. And the teal is cool and different, and it made this whole thing pop on TV. All right, we'll take a break. We've got some great highlights to run through when we come back to Jags Drive Time on a Monday morning, the Martin Luther King holiday. Hope you're enjoying some downtime today, and thanks for joining us. And welcome back to Jags Drive Time. Let's go right to the highlights, and we'll start with the lowlights. Here is a look at the first half, or most of the first half, through the eyes of Trevor Lawrence. They spent a ton of money in free agency, and it's paid off. Off the fake, that's knocked away, that's deflected, and it's intercepted. Drew Tranquil comes away with the ball, and the Chargers with a big early turnover. <laughs> Fourth and seven. Here comes extra pressure, but the pass is intercepted at the 26-yard line. It's Asante Samuel. Lawrence. 
And again, it's intercepted. And that's Asante Samuel. Third and ten. In the pocket. Fires. And that is going to be picked again by Asante Samuel. What are they going to say here? You know, John, um, Sunday was the 23rd anniversary of 62 to 7. And I wrote in my quick thoughts, now I know how the Dolphins felt, right? Everything went wrong for them that day, and everything went wrong up to this point for the Jaguars in the first half of that bowl game. Yeah, and just very quickly, what I mentioned earlier, uh, you never want to be rating interceptions at halftime in terms of importance because that's not good. But out of his four, the first two, tip pass was sort of a fluke. Uh the second was clearly interference. I mean, I, I'm not one to criticize refs, but they it was a tough night. And that one was I thought, clearly interference. And it was fourth down. It, it, it wasn't a momentum killer. And then even the, the fourth one was third and ten. And if you're coaching, you don't hate third and ten interceptions the way you do second and three interceptions. There's a different – and I'm not, I'm not excusing him, but – what I give Trevor a lot of credit for, again, you're talking about poise in the moment. He realized what I'm talking about very quickly and said in the postgame, when he analyzed it quickly, he didn't feel like he wasn't seeing the right things, except for the one Asante where he cut underneath. I think they were in zone. He thought they were in man. It was a good play. But he really only thought there was one bad pick there. What's well, one thing for that to be true. It's another thing for him to poise – respond to it, and then play better, which he did. All right, so up to this point now, Jags down 27 nothing. Trevor was throwing the ball all over the field. He was 10 of 24 into that 27 nothing deficit. But then, beginning on that final drive of the half, he started an 18 of 23 for 211 yards and four touchdowns, string of brilliance that didn't end until the ball game did. Let's take a look at the first three of those touchdowns. In the pocket, fires, and that'll be caught for the touchdown. ETN in the backfield. Lawrence looking under pressure, throws wide open, making the catch. Lawrence protected well. Going deep, has a man open again. Zay Jones for the touchdown. And so we get to the end of the third quarter, and I think, look, you talked about the Ingram touchdown. It was a great play, and those two obviously have developed a lot of chemistry. But it's it's the Marvin Jones touchdown yeah. where Asante Samuel was on fire. And on this particular play... Well, they got him because they knew what he does. Marvin Jones broke his ankles. Yeah, and he's a gambler. And uh, he, he he won in the first half and lost in the second. And uh, with comebacks, I've covered a lot of comebacks because uh, the Colts teams I covered did these kind of things a lot. Um, and somebody asked me afterwards, this is the greatest comeback we've ever seen. Obviously, it, it's it's up there, importance and all that. But what was striking is they stayed calm in the moment, and at no point did they need a miracle to make it happen, if you follow me. No. Because they, they kept scoring. And when you looked at the clock, once they got the Marvin Jones touchdown with five minutes to go in the game, in the third quarter, uh, a lot of teams in these moments think they're running out of time more quickly than they are. I've, I'm assuming that Doug Peterson did a fantastic job on the sidelines of saying, there's time. Just play it, 
play it out, don't panic, make your plays, and you can get back in it. And then all of a sudden it turned, you got Zay Jones, and it's wow. a game. And there was a great shot of Doug on the sideline when they got called uh, for too much time and yeah. had to back up five yards, and he just stayed. Just stay. Right. Just steady, Eddie, you know, let's just keep doing and what we do. And that's everything in those moments. That's what he is. That's With why he defines the team. a hundred percent. All right, so let's take a look at the fourth touchdown because this is where the whole game turns. Not just Trevor finding Christian Kirk, but also Joey Bosa losing his cool. Second and goal now. Lawrence fires. Some caught. Touchdown. Full start. I don't know. We were talking. Uh, it's Joey Bosa throwing his helmet, but too. That's sportsmanlike conduct. Defense number 97. After this, it's really will be enforced on the try. Jacksonville has elected to go for it. Two-point try at the one-yard line. Going for two. And Lawrence reaches over and scores. I have a totally new perspective on that two-point conversion, by the way, after after watching Tyler Huntley last night yeah. and what happened. Not and as easy as it looks. No, not nearly as easy as it looks. And, of course, Doug Peterson said in the early morning hours of Sunday, had Joey Bosa not drawn that foul and given them the ball closer to the line of scrimmage, he might not have gone for the win, which is what this was, trying to set up the win. I love the aggressiveness. Yeah, I, I, uh, I made sure to ask Doug about that after the game in the presser. Because in the press box, everybody was sort of going nuts about this. Oh, you can't do that. It's, it's, it's too much of a gamble. And I, I guess from listening to Doug and trying to understand what he is as a head coach for the past, what, uh, seven, eight, nine, um, you know, almost 11 months now, um, as, soon as, as soon as Bosa got the penalty, I knew he was going. Yeah. I, it, I, I shouldn't say I knew because he might not have done it, but it, it didn't surprise me a bit. Because he believes in certain things, and he believes that when you get your advantages go so far up when you get that it's a yard compared to two, and when you got a six six quarterback, the odds are in your favor. Now it's not a guarantee it'll work, but over the course of time, if you run that kind of play with Trevor Lawrence from the one yard line, hundred times, I think Doug believes you're going to score ninety five of them. So that's how we're going to play football around here. All right. So to this point, it's all been about the offense. Trevor's troubles in the first half. Then the brilliance that we've seen. But with 525 left, the defense still had to find a way to stop Justin Herbert. And when Herbert had been on, even though they were short fields, he was money in the first half in particular. So the defense, which had played well in the second half, had to play its best football in this final opportunity to try to get this come-from-behind win completed. And boy, did they, starting with Roy Robertson-Harris. 25-yard line. Herbert, under pressure. Can't get away. Sacked at the 18. Roy Robertson Harris. And boy, Roy Robertson Harris, mammoth, just mammoth, has played some great football down down the stretch here for this football team. Going back to that game against the Jets, even the Cowboys, and he just doesn't get the credit that he deserves. But big, powerful, and sets everyone else up. Yeah, and you know the the pass rush should uh, take me out and throw me in the river because I've been saying for the last four or five weeks, I keep writing, not a great pass rush. You know. Well, when the moments have been the biggest in the last month, it's been a great pass rush. Yeah. I wouldn't say any single player is an all-pro elite, but when quarterbacks drop back to pass in clutch situations against this team right now, they are under pressure. They are disrupted. That's what pass rush is supposed to do. 
that first down play was mammoth because all of a sudden the Chargers are behind the chains. Yep. And they ended up going three and out and punting, giving the ball back. And didn't everyone in the stadium just know what was coming from Trevor Lawrence? They got all the way into Chargers territory and faced fourth down and one. What a great call. What a great play design this fourth down was. Three backs behind him. To the outside. ETN. First down and a ton more. It stays in bounds to the 15-yard line. What a call. Look, at, I know we're running out of time, but I'm, and, and I could take a half an hour talking about this play because it'll, it, it'll be – you know, it's it's a Rushmore play in franchise oh, history. Right there with David Garrard's fourth down run to set up the game winner in Pittsburgh in 07. But think about this, Brian. And I, it was crazy after the game, so I didn't get a chance to, to uh, pull Doug aside and talk about it. He calls timeout because he doesn't like the formation. Then they go to a play. You know, I haven't gone back and watched every play of every game. I don't think they've. I don't think they've run that formation this year. No, that's the first time they run it. So. You're talking about putting Travis Etienne on the left side of the formation, which brings at least two extra Chargers defenders to that side. You say, okay, you put three backs in the backfield. Well, they had Etienne and two tight ends in the backfield, and you have the guts to run a sweep behind that designed to look like a sneak, and you don't run the sneak, which, again, you're banking. It it, it was an incredible call. And think about the situation. You've got 35, 45 seconds. And then you tell your team, okay, we're running this play that you haven't run yet this year in the biggest situation of the season. Go do it. Philly special. Well, yeah. In a sense, you're pulling out a play. It was that magnitude for them. And this is even sort of bigger than Philly special. Philly special is in the first half. Yeah. Where if it, if it doesn't work, okay, you, you've got them pinned. Season's over. If you don't hit that. If you don't hit that. Um, and by the way, Chris Manhurts and Zay Jones blocking Kyle Van Noy yeah. and the safety that came up, whose name I can't recall off the top of my head, and and that just sealed it for them. What an amazing play. Here's the coaching element, though. And it, everybody who, who reads me, listens to me, I, I sort of mock sometimes fans thinking coaching is, is everything in the NFL. But at that moment, yeah. to, you know, at some point, you had to drill that play a couple times this year, not knowing if, if you'd ever use it. And then knowing at that point, okay, this one that we drilled, I'd love to know when, that, when the last time they practiced for the formation was because we've never seen it in the game. I, I, I just, again, out of all the moments in the game, once I started thinking about that, with 10 seconds to go from the play clock until that team has to run back out on the field. You're saying, okay, go with that one that we haven't seen all year. And here's the game winner and the moment that we talked about off the top of the show. Bill can set their sights likely on Kansas City. Here we go for the win. And you can see the ball starts sliding a little bit to the right. Yeah, and, and but... There was no way that crowd was going to let that thing not go through. No. And it did, <laughs> and gave us one of the most incredible moments. I think it's – I have said it is the second, right? The bigger win was in Denver after the 96 yeah. season because it got them to the AFC Championship game. But this one is clearly the biggest home win in franchise history and right there with the biggest of the big. We'll take a break. Come back with Hot Takes on a Monday show.
Well, our show is brought to you by Car Shield, and you should call Car Shield now. If your car's out of manufacturer's warranty, don't get stuck with expensive mechanical and computer screen repairs. Call Car Shield today. We're at TIAA Bankfield on a Monday. Hope you're enjoying some time this Martin Luther King holiday with family and friends. Time now for hot takes, and we'll start with you, John. Well, um, this was better for Trevor Lawrence than if he had been perfect. And for all the social media noise in the first half about how bad he was, how I was getting emails, Brian, saying, well, clearly we misjudged him. He, 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 he's not good, et cetera, et cetera. And it is good to show you never judge in the NFL based on a small sample sample size. Um, but this is better for him in terms of how I feel about him as a player than if he had come out and had a perfect rating and been great from the start. Because if he doesn't melt under that, he never will. Uh, and you are going – I wrote this week – I covered uh, Peyton Manning for four MVPs. Um, and I also covered him in a ton of bad losses, a ton of bad starts, uh, games he wished he'd had back. Um Point being, you are not going to play quarterback in this league and be perfect. I once watched uh, Tom Brady throw four interceptions. Yeah, he um, did that six times in his career. Yeah, so you are going to have moments like Trevor Lawrence had in the first half. It's how you respond, and I don't know that any quarterback in NFL history has ever responded to a start like that with a finish like that. I'm sure. I'm sure there is. But it's up there. So I want to ask you about, about Manning real quick because it came to my mind. I remember because the Jaguars ended the season. Tom Coughlin's last game was in Indianapolis after the 2002 mm-hmm. season. And that that team, that Colts team, went into New York for a wild card game the next Sunday and got their doors blown off, 41 to nothing. That was Manning's fifth NFL season. And I think if you talk to a lot of people, they'd be stunned that in his fifth season, he threw two interceptions that day. It's awful. Yeah. And they, were, they couldn't do anything. That was... Tony Dungy, that was Peyton Manning, and they got their doors blown off. And at that point, he was 0-3 in the playoffs. Yeah, and people were questioning him. And the, Of course, that started the run. The amusing thing was in the press box that day, there were prominent national writers telling me, Colts will never be any good and Manning will never be any good until he stops doing all that junk at the line of scrimmage. And yet that was that junk that he did. And that tur- so, turned out to be – Again, all that. Um, but point being uh, – it is how you respond because this league is too hard to play perfectly all the time. The fact that he responded like that, um, that's a mental toughness chip that uh, guys, not every quarterback has. No, no. And that brings me to my hot take, which is not every coach can do this, right? Brandon Staley may or may not be a long-term or a good NFL head coach. But when I look at, at, at the contrast between Doug Peterson, who has done it, and Brandon Staley, who was doing it for the first time, you have to question his decision in Denver to keep playing his starters into the third and fourth quarter. Doug knew, right now he had a lead, but he knew to get his guys out in the second half in Houston. He could very easily have been criticized if anybody had gotten dinged up to the point that they couldn't have played the next week in that important game against the Titans. He knew. Staley obviously didn't know. And then here last week, they ran the ball eight times in the second half, John. They were up 20 yeah. points. They could have made it much more difficult for the Jaguars to have enough time. Right? You're down 20 points with 30 minutes to play. 
hey, that calculus doesn't work out very often. And yet, Staley so often, and I'm watching the television broadcast at the same time that I'm looking at the field, and I'm looking at a guy who clearly didn't have the confidence level of what was going on around him that Doug Peterson did. So not every guy can be a head coach. Yeah, and... And play like this. I, I think it speaks to what a hire Shad made for 100%. Doug. 100%. Um, again, we don't know everything that goes on in the sidelines, but I know in that situation, the calmness of Doug Peterson uh, was a huge – had to have been a huge factor in this team's poison ability to come back. Um, they've done – in the last five games at home, they've trailed by a cumulative 80 points. Yeah. 17, 17, yeah. 9, 10, and 27. Yeah. Come back and won all of them. Uh, you don't do that if if your head coach is panicking on the sideline. No, and I, I bring this up, right, not to, to hit on Staley because I like the guy. I, I enjoyed listening to him last week, and I think maybe he has some ability to be a head coach. But to simply point out that Doug Peterson yeah. is the guy. And what an advantage the Jaguars had on Saturday night to have Doug on their sidelines. Now, this week, the advantage is negated because you've got the master on the other side. So this week will be an interesting storyline. But to have Doug going up against... Andy Reid gives him a great opportunity. So yeah, congratulations. I think it negates uh, the Chiefs advantage too. Doug, oh, exactly. I mean, uh, Doug ways. Peterson, you, you're starting to talk about a impressive playoff record. Uh, I mean, again, we could go on and on about right. Doug. Fantastic job. All right. We'll take a break and come back and wrap the show up. Before we do, though, the Jacksonville Jaguars would like to thank JEA's frontline teams for all they do to help our community thrive. Please help us recognize JEA's frontline team of the game representing the 2,000 employees who work hard to serve you each and every day. And by the way, our pick for the Jaguars' front lineman of the game is Roy Robertson-Harris for his four-tackle, five-pressure sack performance. He was so incredibly good and made an incredible difference on Saturday night when the game was on the line. Thanks to JEA and congratulations to Roy Robertson-Harris. We'll take a break, come back, and wrap up the show right after this. I mean, we've been in that situation before, not that many points, but, you know, similar situations. So that's the thing. I mean, just the belief in this team, it's kind of, I mean, it's really cool to see what, what can happen when, when everybody believes. And, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did today and what the offense was able to do in the second half to bounce back. Also, the defense, if we didn't believe in one another. Um, that was, you know, I threw four picks in the first half, and those guys beside me on offense and the guys on the other side of the ball didn't ever lose faith in me. And that, that's, that's one thing that makes it easier when you know you got guys that believe in you, no matter what the circumstances are. Well, our program today is brought to you by Magellan, who moves the freight. Magellan Transport, voted coolest office space in Jacksonville. Apply online at www.magellanlogistics.com and help them move the freight. Remember, uh, Brian, last year when uh, the knock on Trevor Lawrence was, well, he's never had a fourth quarter comeback. <laughs> okay, well. Check that box, yeah. Brian. You know, go. one thing that's going to be interesting is you are going to see this home crowd get used to the fact that they're never out of it, yeah. right? You will see people stay in the seats. You will see people come to the games expecting to win, which we haven't had around here in a long time. Yeah. It, it's not hyperbole to suggest that this was a moment, right? A moment where everything can turn. I, I saw someone on Sports Illustrated, I think Connor Orr wrote this morning, that Jacksonville took that step towards – Something different. 
Yeah. I'm completely different. Yeah. I don't know. In a national perspective. Right. Yeah. And two straight primetime games where you have had incredible finish. I mean, it's, it's remarkable to be a part of. The only comparison to franchise history is 96, and maybe it's time to stop comparing it because mm-hmm. it's, it's its own thing. Uh, but the last five home games ha- have been remarkable. I've never seen five straight games like that where you sort of started, if you think about it, the Raiders' victory seemed like sort of a one-off. Uh, okay, well, they're still, what, three and whatever they were. To now, where you look back on the whole thing as a trend of this team's never out of it. The defining trait of this team is not necessarily defense, offense, even Trevor. It's this ability to overcome adversity and, and continue to believe in itself. It's amazing. They were 3-6 and six after the win over the Raiders, and they went to Kansas City the next week and were beaten 27-17, and since then are 7-1. and one. I just went one more thing on 96 because we can keep going on it, and we probably will at some point. I remember getting on the charter and flying out to Denver, and, and people forget that that Denver Broncos team was probably going to be the first team to win three Super Bowls in a row. They were that good with Terrell Davis and uh, Shannon Sharp and Ed McCaffrey and Rod Smith and, of course, John Elway and a great loaded defense. And the Jaguars went out there and fell down 12 to nothing. But I remember on the charter thinking, how's this going to match up? How are they going to stop this? How are they going to stop that? And, and, and you have the same thoughts this week. How do you handle Mahomes? How do you handle Chris Jones? And we'll talk about that on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, they fell down in the game 12 to nothing, and they won. And that's the biggest win in franchise history. So before you start thinking about what's possible or what's not possible, how are they going to do it, just know it's been done. So we'll see. Well, I think the big thing Doug will tell this team on Wednesday some way this week, you, know, you lost out there 27-17, and I uh, lost the turnover battle 3-0. Yeah. There you go. Lots to talk about. John Osier, appreciate you. That'll do it for Jags Drive Time on Monday. We're back on Wednesday. Jaguars, Chiefs, 4.30 on NBC on Saturday afternoon. And we'll see you on Wednesday, everybody. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details.